We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. One of the best pieces of feedback that I've gotten during the pandemic with the masterminds that I run is that principals are enjoying talking about instruction and not just talking about COVID rules and regulations. It's one of the great things that we get to do in the mastermind is focus on the things that really matter. And sometimes we try to focus on other things, on the distractions that take us away from our vision, but we're always able to come back because our whole goal is to help us get our schools to where they need to be. So I would love to have you in there. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've probably heard me talk about it before. You probably have questions. Just go to jethrojones.com slash mastermind and let's set up a time to call, to talk about it. That's jethrojones.com slash mastermind and then click on schedule a call. I look forward to talking with you. Again, that's jethrojones.com slash mastermind. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I am excited to have Phil Dituri on the program today. He is the Director of Educational of Education for Financial Life Cycle Education, also known as FICycle. It's a nonprofit organization dedicated to ensuring every student has access to knowledge of the financial concepts necessary to live a prosperous life and the math skills needed to grasp those concepts and put them into practice. I mean, if that's not a great mission statement, I don't know what is. <laughs> it's awesome. So that is fantastic. So Phil has taught and inspired educators and children for over 20 years. He's an educational consultant and served as a visiting professor at Fordham University. 
He was also a teacher, instructional coach, and chairperson of the math department at New Design High School in Lower Manhattan. He also has a BA in mathematics from NYU and a PhD in mathematics education from Columbia University. So Dr. Deturi, welcome to Transformative Principle. Glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, I'm excited to chat with you. This uh, The work you're doing, I think, is just fantastic. And I think being able to help kids have financial understanding and mathematics understanding, I think, are really important. One of the things we hear all the time is, I should have learned more about this in high school, and often that comes to financial literacy. So excited that you're you're here talking about that. So let's start by by talking about why you th- saw this was a need and how how you came to be involved in in this aspect of teaching kids financial literacy. Yeah, so um, you know, I was a math teacher for a long time, and I, I worked with math teachers and coached them. And every math teacher has an answer to the question: When am I going to use this in life? That kids will inevitably ask them at some point or another. And if you've been in the game for a couple of years, you probably have a collection of responses ranging from very earnest to, to a little bit attitude because um, you get asked that question so often. And I suspect that this reality that I'm describing is actually just the failing of our approach to mathematics education. Uh, when I was a classroom teacher, I was all about relevant real-world examples, student-centered tasks, modeling, collaborative learning, and trying to place math in a context where students could connect to it, see how useful it is, and also see how fun it can be. And the more I engage my students in these ways, the less they ask the question, when am I gonna use this in life? So when I met Andrew Davidson, who's our founder and the one who first conceived of our curriculum and the, the approach to teaching algebra and personal finance together that we're talking about, he was really excited about a lot of the same things and very articulate about how combining personal finance and mathematics could solve a lot of the problems that we saw in education that I was just talking about. So I started working with him, with Andy and Jack Marley Payne, our director of research on the curriculum. And the more I did it, the more obvious it was to me that this was a fantastic approach to teaching financial literacy and algebra. You know, being in a leadership role in education at the time, I also know that the time in school is probably one of the most valuable resources we have and that we can't just go adding courses to the day. So the opportunity cost of having a course on personal finance can be really difficult for a school. By combining it with mathematics education and having that instruction happen in the same course, it's, it's very powerful. And it makes it opens doors to a lot of schools that might un- otherwise be able to teach this important information. Yeah. And it makes it so that they can justify it basically to people who would say, you know, we don't have time for that kind of stuff, even though everybody will readily agree that we need it they still struggle with having the courage basically to say, we're going to make this a priority. And in one of the middle schools that I did, we adopted Dave Ramsey's uh, middle school curriculum and it was, it was great, but we struggled with the same thing. Where do we put this? And all too often um, it gets relegated to an advisory period or something like that, where it's not, it's not seen as having the same weight and not as many kids can access it. And so only those who are already curious about it, which are probably those who are already going to be successful with it, are the ones who are getting it rather than those who, who really need it. One of the things that I hear all the time is that people say, well, you can't teach high level math in, you know, with natural situations that high level math, especially algebra, you need the practice, you need the repetition, and you need the formulas, and that's pretty much the only way to teach it. And all that 
you know, student-led, like kids applying it to real life, that all works in the in the lower grades. But once you hit algebra, you really need to get into the math. So can you help dispel that belief for us? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think even just historically, a lot of people may not know this. Maybe your listeners might not know this, but a lot of the tools of algebra were developed in order to meet the needs of business, right? Most of mathematics was invented to address applied problems and issues. So uh, in the example of sort of the business world and personal finance, many of the concepts and essential understandings from finance and algebra are mutually reinforcing because they're related. Oftentimes the underlying concepts are the same. And you can see this in both theory and in practice. You asked for an example, I think one that will speak to everyone, even maybe someone who hasn't had the benefit of a personal finance course would be exponential growth and investing right? Or, or, or borrowing for that matter. The mathematics of exponents, you may hear people say that something is exponentially larger than something else, by which colloquially they just mean it's really, really, really large. Um, and that's because exponential functions grow at an incredible pace, right? If you compare it to a uh, linear function, a quadratic function, a quartic function, exponential functions where the X is in the exponent grow at a very, very fast pace. They grow exponentially is the, the language we use for it. Well, the equations that govern how your investments grow are also exponential. The equations that govern how your interest on a loan grows is also exponential. So understanding how powerful exponential growth is, the same underlying understanding that you need to understand why it's a really good idea to invest over the long term, right? It's why maybe when you graduate, if you have that understanding, it's why you may have said, you know what, I'm just out of college, I'm paying off loans, I don't have a lot of money, but I'm still going to put some into my retirement. Because I understand that even a small number over a long period of time with exponential growth will become a really large number. Having that conceptual understanding helps me understand a whole collection of problems in algebra. Having that same conceptual understanding helps me make a whole collection of decisions in my financial life. Yeah. So can you give us an example of, of a way that you've seen that like turn a light bulb on for a student where they say, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Now that's something that they, they struggled with before and then having it explained in that way made it make a lot more sense. I think that math teachers might even have examples of activities in their classrooms, right? Where they did exponential growth to show kids how big it gets. Uh, the famous example people use for exponential growth is what would you rather? Like, I think, I think the problem is, you know, $100,000 or a penny doubled every day for a month. Uh, penny doubling every day for us is exponential growth and it grows really, really fast and you end up with a lot of money. I think the original problem was, would you rather a grain doubled every day or something like this? But having these understandings of how, how powerful this growth uh, can be helps students understand the power of investing. So I had a teacher in uh, downtown Manhattan who's teaching his kids in a Title I school and they, he talks about his lives. One of the things our teachers do a lot is they actually talk about their lives. It's really nice. It gives them, shows the students that this is, this is real. Uh, so he's talking about his life and where he has his money. And he's teaching the kids all about the difference between um, the different investment options you might have. Like a bank account has a lower rate than maybe a CD where you can't touch the money for a year or two. And so the kids ask him, well, what are you doing with your money? He's like, well, I just have it in a bank account. And this one student, uh, this little girl named Emily got really upset with him because he has two kids and that's irresponsible. She's like, well, are you using that money? And she's like, no. Well, then why don't you have it in a higher interest yielding account? And she would come in and ask him every day for like a couple of weeks if he had made that change yet. And I thought it was really cute because he's the teacher trying to give her that information, right? But our, our curriculum is not prescriptive. We don't tell kids what to do, which is what most 
personal finance curriculums do that, you know, be thrifty, don't spend your money, like make, make more than save more than you spend, right? Rather than, than tell students what to do, because we all know high school kids do not like to be told what to do. Probably no one does, but high school kids are very willing to let you know that they don't. That is very true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So instead of telling them what to do, we try and give students the tools to make those decisions and navigate their financial life on their own, right? So instead of telling a student, you should put your money in a high interest yield account if you're not using it, our students learn all the math and then look up at us and chastised one of the teachers for how come they weren't doing that, right? Um, but but I think it, it betrays that this student understood the power of investing in the long term. They understood why this teacher might want to be doing it. Um, obviously, there's there's more that goes into the course by the time they get to that point. They have a more more substantive conversation than just that. But to just try to give an example that the listeners might be able to under, might be able to understand uh, is one example that pops into my mind. Yeah. So I know that uh, math focused listeners right now, especially are mad because I said that we don't really teach this stuff. And what I mean by that is that, yes, we use these as examples in our courses, but it's not intertwined in the same way as what you're doing. So what's the difference between a traditional algebra curriculum and your five cycle curriculum? That's great. Uh, I'm going to, before I say that, I'm going to say one thing is that for all the teachers listening who are thinking I do this, right? I've been amazed and impressed by all the teachers I've met around the country that are doing this work. I think the thing that you've honed in on and the thing that we've honed in on is that it's possible to exist in our system without doing this. Like there's lots of really good teachers who are making connections of math to the real world. It's happening at every conference in every school, right? I think the problem is that you as a student might go through a compulsory education and never encounter it, Um, right? No one's gonna go through compulsory education and never take a math class. We all expect that's gonna happen. Um, but you might not have to apply your thinking to the real world. And that's something that, that we think is really important. So I think a big part of why this is so important with what we're doing is that we've created an Algebra 2 course, basically an Algebra 2 course, roughly at the Algebra 2 level, although it's used in lots of different ways. Um, that's going to teach all the mathematical standards that we require from high school while helping them navigate all the financial calculations and decisions they have to make over their lifetime. The, the five cycle class is, is important. I think it makes sense for the students. It matters to the students and it makes a difference. And I'll elaborate on what I mean by that. So it makes sense because we're taking algebra, like we said, and we're putting it into this real world relevant context. And we're putting an end to that question. When am I going to use this in life? Right. Students are hopefully telling us at the end of this course that a lot of the concepts are mutually reinforcing. We know it matters because as we've talked about, these are important topics, right? It's going to create equitable access to key skills for lifelong success for our students in math and personal finance. These are gatekeeper topics, right? Math and personal finance, even if you're successful in other fields, you still need to be competent in these fields in order to to be successful in our society. And we know from the research that's not actually the case for all Americans, unfortunately. And these are pre-pandemic numbers. I'm going to give you two stats that alarm me, which is that fewer than 40% of U.S. high school graduates in 2019 were considered ready for college-level math as measured by the ACT. And that was before the pandemic. Things are probably worse now. On top of that, I don't think it's unrelated that 40% of Americans don't have $400 to cover emergency expenses, which, again... And this is very dark. There was a pre-pandemic statistic. Many Americans may have faced that situation. So this matters. This is important work. Um, and and you know, finally, we know it makes a difference because we have a research-backed approach. And with our research, we've demonstrated the efficacy of teaching these topics together. And simply put, like when you combine math and, and personal finance, 
it works for a host of reasons. And, and some of our research bores that out. I think if, if you'll permit me to say that the final, for me, the thing that speaks the most though is the kids. Best part of my job is that I get to go into classrooms and interact with kids and see teachers teaching. And it's not lost on, on them. This, this resonates with students. So, you know, I was, I was in a, I was talking to a principal about his students in New York City or in New York, you only need three years of math to graduate. All the kids know this. So senior year, kids are trying to get out of class like all the time if they did well. And one of the principals turned to me and told me and that this is the only math class he's ever offered to seniors that he's had seniors ask to transfer into in his career. And so for us, that was a huge win, huge win, so powerful for us because it means that all those things that I'm saying are not lost on students. They, they can tell it, right? And we know it's not lost on them. We have evidence. How do I know? It's because these are the same students that are asking you, when am I going to use this in life, right? If we're being real data-driven teachers, we have some evidence that they're connecting the dots. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. Yeah. So let me... Let me see if I can summarize how the curriculum is structured, because I think this is really important. So a traditional math curriculum takes all the standards and it goes through them and they're going to bring in financial literacy components. They're going to bring in medical components. They're going to bring in all kinds of other things, you know, whatever it is that they examples they want to use to teach that specific content. And what you're saying is you kind of flip that around and say, we're going to start with financial literacy. And then we're going to bring the math concepts in and make sure that they learn all the standards they're supposed to learn, but it's all going to be filtered through this financial literacy approach. Is that a, a, a fair summary of it? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a really great summary of it. I should bring you along. You described it better than I did when you asked me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's that's exactly it. And I, I think also the idea that, you know, I think you mentioned that you're going to talk about in a normal math class, you talk about all these things, right? My favorite is widgets. Acme widgets appear in most math textbooks, like this made up thing that has nothing to do with the real world. Or another example of how sometimes math is disconnected that bothers me is I taught in lower Manhattan and there was a problem about a hockey puck traveling towards a goal. And one of my kids raised his hand and said to me, I'm not going to use an expletive, but he said to me, what is a puck? (laughs) And like, he couldn't do this problem. You know, you and I might read that problem and say, well, this is really about a rate problem. Maybe they're telling me the speed of the puck or something, but he was just stuck on what are they, what are they talking about? Um, so I think, right. So the accessing students knowledge, their prior knowledge is a big part of what we're doing. Trying to get them curious about these things is a big part of what we're doing. So one important component of the curriculum is that it's project-based and we often to do what you're saying, you, you can often introduce the project first 
to motivate the unit of study. So instead of saying, I'm going to teach you all this stuff, and then I'm going to show you how it's useful. What we're trying to say is, here's a thing you're going to encounter in your real life. What are you going to do? Let's learn some tools to help us do it better and make those decisions better. Yeah, I really like that. Another funny story about a math problem that was totally lost on my students when I was a principal in Kodiak, Alaska, which is a small island about the size of Connecticut, but where people live is much smaller than that. And there's only 40 miles of road. And so there there is no concept of what a train is. And sure enough, on our state exam, there was a question about a train. And the reality is, is the kids have no idea who have lived there their whole lives and not everybody does, but the kids who have lived there their whole lives have no concept of it because it doesn't make sense in the context of where they live. And so it's a completely foreign thing that you only see in movies that you, you have no idea how it really works and you, you don't understand it because, you know, unlike my wife, for example, who, who grew up in a town with a huge railroad crossing in it and had to time her day to make sure that she got across the tracks before the train came because it was 200 cars long and, and, would stop in the middle to unload. It would stop at the train station to unload, but the rest of the train was still stuck in the middle of town. So, you know, she has a very different understanding of, of what that is, but recognizing that it needs to be applicable and appropriate is, is absolutely the way to go. And going back to the other thing you said about project-based learning, that's, that's really important too. So, so can you talk a little bit more about the project-based learning aspect and how you, how you give kids real opportunities to practice what they're learning? Oh, certainly. So we started the projects. uh, The projects were actually based off of real life financial situations that we did research and found. We had to idealize them a little bit because sometimes real life financial situations are sad and difficult. What we did is, I think I mentioned before that, you know, students love learning about Nobel Prize winning economic theories. That's a joke. We know that high school students probably don't love learning about Nobel Prize winning economic theories. So what did we do if we're going to base our course on that, right? Which is we tried to create a story, a protagonist. And then we tried to make sure that all of our projects are someone who is literally in relation to our protagonist, a character who is a high school student. Um, And so each project is about their brother, their parents, their cousin, their aunt, their grandma. and, And all those people are in different phases of their life, of their financial life cycle. And so um, by having characters that a high school student is literally related to, we're hoping that the, char- the the students reading our materials can relate to some of the scenarios and stories. So these are real life scenarios and that we're hoping students will be able to connect with. So, you know, one of the projects is about a family that's trying to budget. It's the first unit where we learn about what wealth is and, uh, how to, how to keep track of these things, the accounting aspects of personal finance. And you have to look at this family's life and their situation, look at their assets, their liabilities, look at their income, look at their expenses, and try to make fi- a set of financial statements for them and write a letter to the family with a new set of financial statements describing what you think they should do based on your analysis of their situation. Later in the, a, different pro- a different project is just exactly what a kid does when they graduate high school. It's someone just graduated. They're going to college. They're figuring out their loans. They're figuring out what their financial aid is going to be. And they're making a plan for the next four years of their life. And this is something that you should probably do in advisory also. 
Um, but, but really, math class is where we learn the tools to analyze those situations. And we're just very articulate about that and try to make those connections and then give students the opportunity to do it. So, you know, right down to you go to the college webpage and you put in information and you figure out how much this fictional character would get based on a real college situation. And then you budget out. Are they going to work? Uh, in the library? Are they going to take these loans? Are they going to take subsidized loans? Um, what are subsidized loans? What are unsubsidized loans, right? So kids do research, students do research, learn all of this and apply the mathematics they learned in the course to this real life situation. So the projects uh, are offered. We have two, two projects per unit. And that's because we encourage teachers to use the project both to motivate the study for the, of the unit and as a kind of summative assessment of the unit. The sort of quantitative literacy required to go in and look at a real life situation and then transfer the knowledge that you learned and apply it in this real life situation. Now, obviously for our students, that transfer is a little easier than it is for other math students because we're teaching it to them in the context. But I think you know that, that's only a good thing uh, since that, that context is the real world that they're gonna live in when they graduate. <laughs> yeah, well, and what I think is so good about that is that the, the problem with the traditional way we teach math is that we, say, here's a concept and here's how you apply it. And three weeks later, we may go back and say, remember that thing we talked about before? It also applies here. And that's that's all well and good. And that's good teaching and all that. But what I like about your approach is that it's saying, okay, here's a situation. And guess what? You need to know 25 different mathematical concepts to be able to understand it, plus a bunch of vocabulary and all this other stuff. But because it's being taught in a actual real life example way, it makes a lot more sense. And the kids are much more, like you said, motivated to learn it because they want to know, well, which is better subsidized or unsubsidized and what should I do? And, and I'm actually preparing for college or a trade school, or I'm not going to go to college because I can't afford it. And then they do this, this project and realize, oh, maybe I can afford it. There are options for me and I'm not, maybe I should be pursuing this and, and it gives kids an opportunity to really apply it holistically to their life rather than just, you know, when you learn about ex exponents, then when it comes to your investing, then yes, you're going to, you're going to want to know this. But on the other hand, here's this family that's trying to budget and they need to know whether or not they're going to have enough money to be in a retirement home when they're older, you know, and kids aren't great at thinking about those things. But if, if they can apply it to their lives, they do, they do much better about thinking out in the future. You also on FiCycle.org have free lessons that, that teachers can download. Can you talk a little bit about those as well? Yeah, definitely. So anyone who hasn't checked it out already, please go check out uh, www.ficycle.org, F-I-C-Y-C-L-E.org. And on that webpage, there's a lot of resources. Uh, one of those is our free lessons. So there's a bunch of lessons that we have posted there. Uh, that you can use in your classroom. So even if you're just a math teacher who's listening to the cast saying, oh, wow, I wish I could do this, but my school can't adopt this, go to the webpage, check it out, download those lessons, try them out in your class. We, in general, with our materials, we assume that, you know, if you're looking at the materials that you're a math teacher, we assume you don't know the personal finance. So if you're listening and you're feeling intimidated by the personal finance, you shouldn't be. You know, all of our materials assume you don't know any of the personal finance, specifically so that more teachers can sort of jump in and try out this approach. Uh, so we have a bunch of really cool lessons on that webpage. Uh, one of the more recent ones is about what happened with GameStop. We, we're a small shop. And so something that's really nice is we can be 
really responsive to our teachers and to what's going on. And obviously that was something that a lot of people were interested in. So we were able to respond with, uh, you know, an approach where we were able to not think about some of the sort of media buzz, but instead really focus on the math and think about what was really going on from a mathematical perspective. You can also download other resources to think about teaching your kids about wealth, not cash is a great lesson. If you really just want to start to teach them what this work might look like, there's another great one about traversing the traversing your financial life cycle, which is another really wonderful approach to thinking about exponential growth and starts to talk about some of the things that we've talked about today. You can also on our webpage download, uh, in addition to lessons, you can, you can check out some of our research, which talks about some of the work that we've done and some of the research that went into building the course and why we think it's a good approach and all of that. Yeah, that's, that's really good. So that's FICYCLE, F-I-C-I-C-Y-C-L-E, FICYCLE.org. Definitely check that out. And um, it looks as far as like getting workbooks and stuff, that seems very affordable. It doesn't seem like it is uh, super expensive. So um, so that's good. Is there a cost associated with implementing uh, your curriculum? That's a great question. So we really want this to be used by all schools and all teachers and all kids. So it is free to use the first year. So we offer the course completely free the first year. And uh, the way it works is we share our materials with everyone digitally. Most people are working digitally these days, even before the pandemic. Uh, we do have workbooks that uh, is the main instructional tool is a student-centered workbook. Uh, and you could buy those uh, from us separately, but for schools that are teaching the curriculum, we provide them at very close to cost. One of the things that we noticed is that schools were just printing pages from our workbook. And we realized if we did that centrally, we could save everyone some money. Uh, so it's a really, really great uh, opportunity to just sort of take a try, try this curriculum. If you think it's interested, interesting and you go to the webpage, you look at the lessons, you're excited by what you see. The first year is free so that teachers who are curious but not ready to completely jump in can sort of check it out in a low stakes situation. There's also lots of opportunities to interact with us outside of that at conferences. We're very present. If you attended, if you're a math teacher and you attended NCTM, uh, you know, we presented three times at NCTM. We're at the International Museum of Mathematics, Math for America, ASSA, AERA, the Council for Economic Education. So we interact with our teachers in lots of different venues. Very good. So my final question, Phil, is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? So I think the most important thing a principal can do to be a transformative leader is to constantly be looking for real world, relevant, engaging, research-based curricula for their students and teachers. I think we as educators, especially principals, need to look beyond the artificial hurdles that we spend most of our time worrying about things like SATs, state tests and standards, and think about the real hurdles and challenges that we spend most of our time thinking about in our real lives, because those are the skills that our students need. So you know, what are we preparing our students for if our compulsory education doesn't give them the tools they need to navigate their financial lives? I mean, students shouldn't have to ask us, when am I going to use this in life? It should be self-evident, and that should be a question that we can ask them, and they should have a good answer. Yeah, absolutely. I I like that. I think um, if you took lessons from your own life, things you were wondering about, and tried to find a way to teach them to your students, that would be a really powerful approach. So thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, once again, FICYCLE, FICYCLE.org is the website. And Phil, thanks so much for being part of Transformative Principle. Thank you so much for having me on today. It was a lot of fun.
Hey, middle school principals, what if I told you that all your teachers had to do to teach your students really valuable social and emotional competencies was just press play? In Control SEL is a fully automated video curriculum that teachers and students absolutely love. And that's because it's easy. And it looks just like a Netflix or a YouTube show. So all you have to do to hear about how it can completely transform your school is schedule your call. Tell us Jethro sent you and you'll get 20% off if you feel like it's a good fit. So go now to www.incontrolsel.com slash strategy call to schedule your call today. The link will be in the show notes. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.